Welcome to part four of the series, The Ripple Effect. And we have looked at the transformational power of the Word of God in part one. Remember where we spoke about the importance of reading the Bible. It's a simple thing. But that simple act of reading the Bible, and interesting, for thousands of years, God has been telling us in His Word, we must engage with the Word of God on a regular basis. In fact, the Bible talks about day and night, meditating on it day and night. We, we kind of read it, but many people in the Old Testament, they would memorize whole sections of Scripture so they didn't have to read. They could just recite it during the day and recall it and so on. But we are encouraged to do that. And today, you know, we, a reference was made to a study. They actually interviewed people. They made a study. And they found out that people that engage with the Bible four times or more, four days or more during the week, it actually causes a transformational effect in their lives. It helps them to overcome weaknesses and sins and so forth because of that engagement with the Word of God. It transforms us. It changes our thinking. It changes our values. It aligns us with the will of God. And then in part two, we looked at the fact that prayer changes perspective. Amen? As you talk to God, you know, sometimes prayer does not change things around you. Prayer changes you. As you talk to God, God speaks to you, your eyes are open, you see things you did not see before, and yet sometimes prayer will change things around you as well, amen? But the thing is, you know, between the word and prayer, there is this interaction with God, and that's what God is calling us to do. The transformational effect or the ripple effect that Bible and prayer has in our lives is developing this relationship with God where throughout the day we are engaging with God. I, I wonder how many of you do the following. I know that sometimes it's not possible to take time during the day and actually read the Bible. It happens even to me, okay? Oh, but you're a pastor. You're supposed to... No, no, I'm supposed to nothing. I'm, I'm a human like you. And there are days that even as a pastor, I'm not doing pastoral work. There are days that as a pastor, I'm busy with mechanical, practical things. I'm, I'm fixing things. I'm cleaning things. And, and if you come around here and you look at me, you won't believe I'm a pastor. I've got shorts and a vest or T-shirt. I'm dirty and sweaty. And I'm doing stuff. Okay. And sometimes in days like those, the whole day goes by. You know what times like? It just flies. At night I get home, I'm tired, I go to bed, and I didn't have time to actually open the Bible and spend a few minutes actually reading the Bible and thinking about what I'm reading. I know it doesn't happen to you guys. I know you guys always have time every single day too. But sometimes I can't, okay? Now, my, my question is this. On those days when you don't physically stop to read the Bible, my question is this. During those days, are you still engaging with the Word of God? Are you still talking to God? Because, you see, in those days in my life, when I'm not physically reading the Bible and I'm sweating, I'm up and down, I'm running around, I'm in the car, I'm in and out of shops, those days I'm still engaging with the Word of God. I'm still thinking of Scripture. I'm still talking to God. I'm driving and I'm talking to God. I pray with my eyes open, relax. But I'm driving and talking to God. You know, and, and as I hear the news, I hear the news and, 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 and I remember scripture and, and I link my life to scripture. Now, why do I link my life to scripture? Because I know a little bit of scripture. Because I, I've read it so many times that some things I actually remember. Now, I know some people have like, you know, photographic minds. They read it and they remember everything. I'm not like that. I, I'm, I, I'm terrible at remembering chapter and verse. I can quote scripture. The Bible says, but don't ask me which chapter and verse. But give me two minutes, I'll find it. So you see, it just shows you, you don't have to be brilliant and, and have everything memorized to, to, to engage with God. You can be a normal, natural human being like me that forgets stuff. But I remember the content. You know, by the way, in, in New Testament times, there was not book, chapter, and verse. There was book, but no chapter and verse. They had these scrolls, and that's it. 
So they would open the scroll and just read somewhere. There was no chapter and verse. And yet they knew scripture. You see, what's important is to know the content. What does the Bible say? It is enough. You've got, you've got, you've got Google, man. Just Google it. It will tell you what chapter and verse. The important thing is to remember the content. What does it say? Because then you can have that interaction. And that's what it's all about in terms of word and prayer is to have that connection. You see now, it's that connection which causes the ripple effect. You see, as I'm doing life, as I'm hearing the news and I'm engaging with people and I remember scripture and I'm talking to God, that is what is affecting my life and causing a ripple effect in my life. It's that connection which governs my decisions, my attitudes, my actions and reactions. And if I don't have the word of God, and if I don't have conversations with God, I am going to go with the flow and do what everybody else does. And the Bible says that this world and its systems are under the control of the evil one. So it's no good for you, no good for me. And if I'm going to embrace the values and the systems of the world Something is going to give. Something, somewhere, I'm going to suffer in my life. I need to realign my mind and my thinking to the word of God. Amen? Now, to do that consistently, well, it comes to what we studied last week. Faithfulness, okay? That was part three last week. Because faithfulness produces results. You see, it's not reading your Bible once a month and and praying twice a week that's going to change your life. That is not going to produce results, believe me. It's nice, but it's not going to produce results consistently. It's the faithfulness in doing this and, and being faithful in your relationships and faithful in your do, faithful to your word and so on, and, and doing the little things, those boring things over and over and over again as an individual, as a parent, as, as a husband, as a wife, whatever you do, faithful means to stick to, stick into something. Stick to it until you see the result. Don't give up. Don't give in. Hang on. We live in a world where if things don't go away, your way within five seconds, you give up. You want instant gratification. No, faithfulness. And faithfulness is not a gift. It is intentional. Amen? Because faithfulness produces results. Now, today, as we close this series, we will look and I, I think it, it's, I, I said last week and I think it says in the media, so at what might be Consider the greatest cause of ripple effects in the world. I want to correct that. It's not, not what might be considered. We're looking today at what is the greatest cause of ripple effects in the world. Now, what do you think is the greatest force in the world? What can cause the greatest ripple effects in our lives? Hint, we're in the month of February. What do you think it is? Huh? Say it again. Love. Who said love? <laughs> All right, most of you. You really think love causes ripple effects? You think love is the greatest force in the world? <laughs> well, they said love makes the world go round. Yeah, and you're right. The greatest cause of ripple effects in the world is love. And our message today in part four is love never fails. Love never fails. Love is the world's greatest ripple effect agent. Listen, love has changed lives. Love has set slaves free. Love has motivated artists to create beautiful art, music, paintings, motivated by love, sculptures. Love has influenced nations. And love has drawn millions of people to Jesus. Okay? So love is. But let's talk a little bit about love. Because we are going to get down. You see, it's easy to talk about God's love. We've been thinking about God's love, and and it's true. God's love never fails. His love never fails. But as you'll see as the message progresses, you're going to, 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 to switch a little bit. You're going to talk a little bit about God's love. But the message today really is about your love and my love. Now, that gets a bit tricky, isn't it? 
Because it's easy to talk about God's love. Oh, he's God, he's good, he's lovely. It's easy. Easy to, it's easy to preach about love. Easy to believe that. Now, to translate his love into my love and your love and the way we love each other, that's a little bit of a challenge. But that's where we're going today. So let's talk a little bit about love in general. Love can grow cold. A little, little facts about love. Love can grow cold. When Jesus, Jesus said that in their last days, the love of many would grow, grow cold. Love, you know, can be a flaming thing, but then with a passing of time, it can cool off and grow cold. And things in life, the way the world is today, has caused many Christians to allow their love for God to grow cold. But guess what? Our love for one another can also grow cold. Uh, what's worse is love can be lost. Huh? Love can be lost. When Jesus speaks to the church in Ephesus in Reve Revelations 2, he says that they have lost their first love. And he calls them, calls them back to that first love. Love can be lost. They were doing good things. They were, they were gathering as a church. They were doing stuff. But somehow they had lost that passion, that first passion for God. It had gone. It had been lost. Now what about between us? What about couples? What about friends? You know? One moment, oh, the, the, this passion, you're on each other's faces all the time. And, and then all of a sudden, it begins to grow cold. You distance yourself a little bit. And then one day, ah, yeah. I've, I've fallen out of love. Ever heard that? People fall in love as if you fall. I've fallen in love. Hallelujah. And then, oh, I've fallen out of love. <laughs> Good riddance. <laughs> But you know what? It happens. It can happen. It shouldn't happen, but it happens. So I'm, I just want to kind of get these little things, these things in the, out of the way and let us understand this. Yeah, here's something else that sometimes we don't expect out of love. Love calls for accountability and correction. Huh? Love calls for accountability and correction. Listen, the Bible says that God is love. And that God is mercy. Yet the Bible says that God will not leave iniquity unpunished. <gasps> so you break God's laws, you're going to suffer the consequences. Huh? The Bible says that God chastises those he loves. Hebrews 12.6 Because he loves me, he's going to discipline me. If you've ever been a child, you know that sometimes when your parents discipline you, it is not comfortable. And if you have traditional parents, you've received a smack or two in your lifetime, and you've survived. Oh, in fact, the Bible says, <laughs> the Bible says that parents who don't discipline their children, and it uses the term spare the rod, parents who spare the rod, who, <laughs> that don't discipline their children, the Bible says those parents who don't discipline their children hate their children. <gasps> yeah. Go and see for yourself. Proverbs 13, verse 24. Those who love, the parents who love their children, discipline them promptly. Why? Because you love your children. You want the best for them. You correct them. You instruct them. And if necessary, bah! With children, there's somehow, there's a link between your buttock and your brain. <laughs> and, and, and sometimes when you, bah, when you do that, you, ah, no, that, no, 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 don't do that. You need that little, you know, Not every smack is a violent smack. Not every smack is an abuse. I got smacked in love many times. I've done some smacking love too. <laughs> Not a lot because my kids were angels. <laughs> but when necessary discipline was there, believe me. Okay? And they're still alive. <laughs> and so it's very important. 
to do that. So you see, uh, we, are, we are not talking about this love we're talking about, yeah? It, it's not a, a, a February 14th kind of love. Chocolates and kisses. <laughs> the love we're talking about here is greater than that. It's deeper and more meaningful than that. goes beyond that, far greater. We are talking here about the love that never fails. And to find out more about that, let's go to 1 Corinthians 13. This chapter is usually read at, at weddings. But man, this chapter is so good that, you know, it's not just for weddings. This is a good old-fashioned love chapter, which is good for every day, including Sundays. So... Although the core of the teaching of love is in between verses 4 and 8, we're going to read the whole chapter. So here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 from verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a, a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. If I have no noise and I'm speaking tongues in human language or heavenly language, I'm just making a noise. If I don't have love. And though I have the gift of prophecy. And understand all mysteries and knowledge. And though I have all faith. So that I could remove mountains. But have not love. I am nothing. Let me explain something to you. Before we go on. This is, this is, this is deep. Okay. Chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. Listen. Follows chapter 12. Deep eh. But, but here is why it's deep. If you go to chapter 12, you find out that in chapter 12, Paul is teaching about the gifts. The gifts of the body of Christ. That as a body, we are different members, but we work together. Then he talks about the gifts of ministry. He talks about the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. And everybody wants those. The church in Corinth, they were enamored with gifts. Everybody wants a gift and they want to know. And, and he talks about the gifts. You know, the, the, the spoken gifts, like tongues, interpretation of tongues and prophecy. He talks about the, the power gifts, like faith and miracles and healings and, and so on. And, and so after talking about all these gifts, he says, uh, but hang on, guys. I'm going to talk to you now about a more excellent way. What I'm about to share with you now is way above all those gifts. And then he comes with this. And look what he's saying here. He's actually referring back to those gifts. And he's saying, if I've got all those gifts, but I don't have love, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. So what is this love he's talking about? Here we go, verse 4. Love suffers long. That means it's patient. Patient. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up. <laughs> Love does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, it's not, is not provoked, thinks no evil. When it says thinks no evil, it, it doesn't mean that you, know, you, you, you believe everything that the person says. It says you don't sit here thinking evil about the other person. Imagining evil things about them. Okay? Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. See the faithfulness coming in there? And then verse 8. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies... They will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. You see, it refers to the gifts. It says all those things are going to pass away. Prophecies, gifts, knowledge. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. Who is that who is perfect? The kingdom of God. When Jesus comes, when we are in his presence, in his kingdom. Man, in the presence of Jesus, who needs prophecy? <laughs> who, who needs tongues? Who needs healing? When you are in the presence of God. Hello? So, all those things disappear. 
When I was a child, I spoke as a child, understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. I wish more people would read this verse. You know, you come across those 30, 40, 50 year old children sometimes. I know it's none of you, none of us, but you know, out there, you know, just. Uh. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. Come on, let's face it, guys. As much as we study and we hear the word of God and we learn, it, it, it is in part. They, they say that, you know, the cleverest of people only uses one-tenth of their brains. Well, we are so limited in our knowledge and our vision. But when we are in his presence, then all will be revealed. But check this out. And now, now, right now, here on the earth, abide faith, hope, and love. It's wonderful, eh? Faith, hope, and love. These three. But the greatest of these three is, say it, love. Again, when, when you are in the presence of Christ, when you are in his kingdom, who needs faith and hope? When I'm in, in the presence of Jesus, I don't need faith. I, I can see him, he's right there. I don't need hope because I'm in his presence. My hope has been realized. I've got eternity with him now. But guess what? Love remains. Love remains. Remain. So the thing of love is an eternal thing. It's not something that, you know, is a, a, a temporary emotion. So genuine love is characterized by patience, kindness, selflessness, truthfulness, and perseverance. It is enduring and unfailing. Now, this concept of love goes beyond mere feelings, mere emotions, and speaks to a consistent and active, here we go, Choice. It's a choice to seek the good of others. This love that we, are, we have read over here, with all its beauty, is a choice. Listen. God chooses to love you. He doesn't love you because you deserve it. He didn't look down from heaven on day and says, Oh, look at Valdir. He's such a nice guy. Oh, look at him. He behaves well. He takes care of himself. Oh, I think, I think I'm going to love him today. No. God loved Valdir when he was a naughty brat. He loved me already. I, I, I can't do anything to get God to love me more than he already does. Now, I can, do, I can do things to please him. Amen. All right. I can do things that align my life with his will. And that's going to bring him a lot of joy. But it doesn't change his love for me. I want you to understand that. Because some people think they can earn God's love by doing more, being more, you know, praying more. No, 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 no. All those things are good. Praying, all the things are good. But you don't do that. To earn God's love. He loves you already. You do that because you love God and because he loves you. Amen. And so this is the kind of love. It's, it's a choice. So the, the love that never fails. Listen to this. The love that never fails is the following. The love that never fails is divine, is eternal, it results in reliable relationships, and is a standard to aspire to. Let's go over them again. The love that never, that never fails is a divine love because it comes from God, and God is love. God is divine. Therefore, love is a divine thing. It's not a human emotion. It's not a human construction. You cannot put human terms to love. Love is a divine thing. It comes from God and is godly. Love is eternal. 
We just read that everything, all the beautiful things we do here are going to pass away. The gifts of the Spirit, all that kind of powerful stuff, all that is going to pass away. But love will remain. Love is eternal. And of course, if God is love, guess what? God is eternal. Therefore, love is eternal. It is divine and it is eternal. And love results in reliable relationships. You see, faithfulness is that part of love. Love never gives up. It is so sad, and, and, and you see this if you, you know, interact with people. You see that wife, that she's so careful not to displease her husband, not to offend her husband, because she's scared that if she offends him, he's going to leave her. That husband that he's so careful what he says to his wife and, and how he handles her, he doesn't want to upset her because she'll pack her bags and go. We live in such a fickle world. Everything is uncertain. We can't trust each other anymore. But you see, this love that we're talking about, this love that never fails, it stays there. It, it calls for reliable relationships. And don't talk about husbands and wives. What about friends? What about family members? You have this wonderful friendship and then you do one thing which ticks your friend, friend off and bop, that's it. Forget about the 25 good things you did. That one thing you tick him off, goodbye, I don't want to see you again. Cancel from Facebook, you know, blocked from WhatsApp, gone. Don't want to talk to you. No reliable relationships. We need this love to have Reliable relationships. And of course, this kind of love is a standard to aspire to. Wouldn't you like to be loved like this? Wouldn't you like to have somebody loving you with this kind of committed love? Well, how about you loving like that? So often we want that kind of love from them to us. But from me to them, yeah, I've got a couple of reasons, you know. But this is the kind of love that we are being called to. Today we're talking about that. Amen? Now, what kind of love is this? This is what we call the agape love. Because in most languages, love only has one word, which is love. Okay? So, in my case, I love oranges. Oh, the winter's coming. I'm going to enjoy myself with oranges. I have to squash them, squeeze them, cut them, all sorts of ways. Oh, I've got two doggies at home. I love my doggies. They're so cute. I love my wife, too. And I love my kids. Oh, and I love Jesus. Now, can you see? There's a little bit of a difference between the way I love my doggies and the way I love Jesus. A little bit of a difference between the way I love oranges and the way I love my wife. Huh? But you only have one word, love. But the Greeks thought about this a little bit. And they says, no, 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 no. Love is a complex thing. You can't have just one word. So they've got a couple of words for love. They've got a love, a word for, for physical love, attraction love. It's called eros. They've got a love, a word for, for friendship love, fraternal love, brotherly love. It's called phileo. And then they've got a word for this kind of love, the love that puts the other first, that thinks of the others, that wants the best for the other. And that word in Greek is agape. Agape. And there are a couple of other Greek words as well. But the word that is used here in the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians 13, it says, love is, love is, love is. It's agape. When the Bible says that God is love, agape, God is agape. When it says love one another, agape, one another. So you see, the love of God and the love that we are called to have is this. <gasps> okay? It's this love. So, if we ought to aspire to have a greater level of agape love in our hearts, then we need to look at some things that the Bible says about love. So, let's go. Things that the Bible says about love. Number one, God is love. 1 John 4, 8. Whoever does not love does not know God. Whoever does not agape, whoever does not have the 1 Corinthians 13 kind of love, <laughs> does not know God. Whoops. Hmm? Because God is love. See? That's why love is divine. God, 
love for humanity is revealed in John 3.16. For God so loved agape, God so loved the world, he wanted the best for the world, that he gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And Jesus comes as God in the flesh. And he loves you so much, he agapes you so much, he gives his best, his own life. You see? So God loves. He loves humanity. It is a sacrificial love. Jesus said in John 15, 13, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And, and, and that's what Jesus did. And by the way, notice this. When Jesus looked at humanity, and he laid his life down for them. He looked at us as his friends. Because that's what he wants out of humanity. Not everybody has responded to his love. But those of us who have understand. We are not just God's children. We are friends of Jesus. Disciples of Jesus are friends of Jesus. You see, that's why reading the Bible and praying and faithfulness is so important. Because as you read the Bible and pray, you get to know Jesus better. Amen? And by the way, to lay down one's lives for one's friends is not just dying physically, you know. It also includes giving of your time, your talent, and your treasure. This morning, you gave to the church. You, you gave an offering. What, what were you doing? What are you doing when you, where do you give it here? Where do you give it online? When you give money to the work of God, what are you doing? You're giving your life. Because how did that money come? You earned it. How did you earn it? You put time and effort into it. You used your gifts, your talents, and your times to do work, okay, time, life, you spent, sweated, you, you lived, you created that wealth, and now in obedience to God and in love for God, you've taken a portion and you've given to the Lord so that He can bless your finances. You gave of yourself. Never think you're just giving money to the church. You're giving of yourself. You're laying down a little bit of your life. Every time you do a transaction online, every time you put a note in the offering, you're giving of yourself. So how much of yourself are you giving? When you, when you offer your services as a volunteer, you're using your gifts, your talents, and your time. It's of yourself. You're giving your life. You're sacrificing your life in the service of God. If you, if you do something for the community, something for your family, something for your friends, you are laying down your life for your friends to help them with a project, to give them some advice, to share your knowledge, share your skills. I want you to understand that. That's also part of laying your life down. Hmm? I think this will help us become more intentional about that. That is sacrificial love. The Bible speaks about forgiving love. Colossians 3, 13 to 14 says, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Forgiveness is motivated by love. Forgiveness is a result of love. If you love, you will forgive. Does anyone need to forgive somebody? Don't put your hand up, okay? But maybe there's somebody you need to forgive. Forgiveness is an act of love. Amen? Think about it. And isn't that what God did for us? Jesus portrayed it. Amen? Now, notice that now in, in, the, in these last uh, two points about, you know, sacrifice. When you spoke about God is love and, and uh, God's love for humanity, you're talking more about God's love. But now when you speak about sacrificial love and forgiving love, we are bringing that love down to our level. Right? That's, that's what we are supposed to be doing now. Okay? It's becoming now us, what we are supposed to do. You see, uh, this is the, the matter of loving one another. And, that, and now is where the message gets difficult here. Both to deliver it and, and to receive it from your side. Because now we're going to be talking about us loving one another. 
us loving those around us, us loving the people around us, the world, and being channels of God's love to the world. Amen? God's love had a ripple effect embracing all of humanity. It was the love of God for us from the foundation of the world that caused him to create the universe that we have, that we live in. So we could say that the universe, the universe is a result of the ripple effect of God's love. God loved us. He said, let there be. I want, I want a place for my children. And there was the universe. And, and it's still rippling. Because scientists say there are still things happening out there and developing. It had a ripple effect. And if now you and I, we respond to God's love, we embrace this love, and we begin to live this love out, guess what? It's going to have a ripple effect in our lives, in our families, our neighborhoods, cities, nations, and the world. And we know that this can happen. You know why? Because it has happened before. Later on, I will share some examples. But let's continue looking at what the Bible says about love. All right? Called to love God. Called to love God. We are called to love God. Deuteronomy 6.5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And that is repeated in the New Testament in, in Mark 12.30 and a couple of other places. Why does God want us to love Him like that? Because He is love. He is the source of love. And he knows that we function better. In fact, we function at our greatest potential when we connect with our creator and love like he does. How do you think we are going to live in the kingdom of God? When Jesus returns, amen, and he establishes his kingdom in all its fullness, how do you think we're going to live in that kingdom? By love. Through love. In love. So we better start getting used to it right now. Let's start practicing this. Let's work together. We're going to have, we're going to bump heads sometimes. We're going to make some mistakes, but, but let's get going with it. Amen. So that you're not totally strange to it when you come face to face with Jesus. Amen. So we're called to love God. The Bible calls us to love others. 1 John 4 7, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. <laughs> All right. So we are called to love one another. Love is action. 1 John 3, 18, dear children, let us not love with words or speech only, but with actions in and in truth. Ooh. So love is practical. Love can be demonstrated. We don't just talk about love, we act. Love is the greatest commandment. Matthew 22, 37 to 39, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with your soul and with your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So we love God, and then we take that love, and we put it over here, and we love one another. And by the way, you love yourself with that same love as well. Notice the sequence. He says, love God and your neighbor as yourself. So before you love your neighbor, you got to love yourself. Hello? It's like the oxygen mask in the plane. They say in case of cabin pressure loss, Oxygen mask will come down and they say very clearly, put the mask on yourself first before you help others. Why? Because if you try to help others first, you're going to faint. Before you know it, you'll be out. Without you loving yourself, without you having that oxygen from God, you cannot help others. You might do some things, but eventually you're going to faint because you've got the thing wrong. Love God Love yourself as he sees you, as he loves you. And then out of that abundance, you love others. And then love fulfills or is a fulfillment of the law. Love fulfills the law. This is an interesting verse. Romans 13.10 says, love does no harm to a neighbor. Remember what Jesus talk about, spoke about neighbor? Neighbor is everyone else around you. <laughs> okay? Doesn't matter who. Everyone else around you is your neighbor. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. I want to pause here very quickly because this is interesting. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, every criminal act that we see in society today is because there is no loving some people. If they loved their neighbor, they wouldn't go around stealing things from their neighbor, breaking things, 
killing people, harming people. A couple of weeks ago, they, they took, stole our water meter yeah, from the church. We had a fountain in front of the church, yeah? By God's grace, within less than 12 hours, they had fixed it. But who does that? You know, stealing pipes, stealing cables. Those are loveless acts. People who choose not to love, who choose to be evil. Oh, pastor, but it's because of the economy and there's no job. You're not rubbish, man. There are other ways of getting money. There are other ways of making a living. You don't go around harming your neighbor. You don't go around harming your neighborhood. Huh? But this, what's interesting about it is this. Let us go back to Eden for a quick moment. In the beginning, there was God. Do you remember what happened in the garden? How many laws... Did God give to Adam and Eve? How many? One. Huh? In the Garden of Eden, there was one law, one rule. You see that tree? No, 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 no. No touch it. No eat it. You may look, but no touch. No eat. One rule. What happened? They broke that one rule brought sin into the world, and as a result, the Old Testament had to introduce a complex system of laws to help God's people live in a way that is pleasing to Him. And until today, countries, nations, they've got thousands of laws and bylaws and mini-laws and sub-paragraphs and to try and get people to live correctly because we couldn't keep one law. So now we've got thousands of laws and we're still struggling to keep them. But then comes the New Testament. Comes Christ. And he, and he lives out within the law of God. And the law of God says that sin must be punished. He will not allow iniquity to go unpunished. So Jesus Christ as the perfect sacrifice, a perfect person, he says, okay, Father, I will pay the penalty for all the sons of these people. I, iniquity must be punished. Amen. I will take that punishment so the law can be fulfilled. God's wrath can be appeased. And so Jesus dies in our stead. And he pays the price. And he fulfills the law. And then he comes in the gospel and he gives us what? One law. Love God. Love people. We are back to Eden. Back to having a relationship with God. When there was a relationship with God, they only had one law. Then we lost that relationship. We struggled to keep all these laws. We could not keep the law. Nobody could. Then Christ comes, fulfills the law, and now he gives us one law again in his kingdom. Now we know that he came to establish his kingdom, but his kingdom is still not fully established. We live in what they call the, you know, we are there, but not yet. Yeah, now and not yet. We are, the kingdom is here, but not in its fullness. When Jesus returns, it will be in its fullness. And everybody will abide by the rules of Jesus. But right now, we abide by the rules of Jesus by choice. Because love is a choice. And love says, love one another. And if I love you, I will do you no harm. Imagine if your neighbors, if your neighborhood, everybody lived by the law of love. The police, police work would be so boring because there would be nobody doing stuff to keep them busy. And it has happened in, in, in history. At one point, I think it was in Scotland, and there was a revolve in a certain city. And, and people just stopped sinning. Crime just stopped. The police force joined the church choir because they had nothing to do. Unfortunately, sin crept back in and of course we're back to fighting again. But what I'm saying is, you see, when love is practiced, things can happen. These things become a reality. And so we are back again to living by one rule. Or we should be. And my challenge to you today, church, those of you watching, those of you listening, those of us here, myself, our challenge is this, to aspire to love, the agape love, the love that wants the best for the other, and the love that does no harm 
to your neighbor. Amen? When this love is live, lived out, it can transform individuals, communities, and societies. Throughout history, there have been testimonies of the ripple effects of love. You have all heard of Mother Teresa's work. What motivated her to look after those out people, those down and out people? The rejects of society. What motivated her? Agape love. She sacrificed her love, her life, to look after those people. Civil rights movement. You've heard about it in America, which has touched the whole world. But Martin, Martin Luther King was guided by Christian principles. He was a pastor himself. He was a child of God. And although he got involved in, in politics and in social activity, his motivation was love. The concept of agape love, a selfless, sacrificial love. South Africa, 1994, during our first democratic elections, reporters from the whole world came here to witness it. But many of them confessed later that they came here to film and record a bloodbath. That's what they came to see. Because things were rough, things were tough, things were locked. Amen? But the body of Christ in the nation arose in prayer before God, motivated by a love for the people and for the nation. A love for God and a love for people. We want to see the gospel in this nation. And some of you may have been here at that time. We were still in Arcadia. And across South Africa, churches spent time in prayer. And on a particular Sunday, we all prayed together. Our service was one big prayer meeting. But for a season, we prayed. We trusted God. We called on God. There were many roadblocks at that time, but dedicated loving prayers from the people of God and the intervention of Christian consultants, both from South Africa and from other parts of the world who came here, it resulted in a peaceful transition, which was a wonder to the world because of love. So don't tell me love doesn't change nations. Don't tell me love hasn't got a ripple effect. Behind the scenes, here in the church, <laughs> there are many people, including many of you here, who are concerned for the well-being of the poor. You donate clothes and, and money and, and for food and other items from time to time as needed. It happens quietly. Nobody gets to know about it. You don't put things, pictures up and exalt people. The sister in charge of social assistance goes out and distributes as needed. She's not doing it for glory, but for love of God and people. When you give, you're giving not for your glory, but out of love for God and for people. And it's changing people. It's causing ripple effect. There are people out there who are going to have a warm winter because of you. There are people out there who have had a, a wonderful surprise during the past year because of your love. There's a ripple effect. Oh, I'm just giving. I'm just donating. I'm just. In. No, it's not just. You are causing a ripple effect by your love. And it's touching lives. It's, it's causing people to give glory to God. So you see that, that, that love has been and is the greatest source of ripples in the universe. Do you see that by practicing love, you could be participating in these ripples? Love faithfully. Think about it. We have to do all those other things faithfully. We have to read faithfully, prayer, pray faithfully. We have to be faithful in everything you do. We have to love faithfully as well. Stick to it. Stick to loving. Practical. Simple acts of kindness and love in your daily life can have unexpected positive results. And some of you have experienced that. When you feel just like saying something to somebody or giving a small gift and then the person goes, wow, it's just what I needed. <laughs> Ripple effects. It could heal. It could transform relationships. It could lead to whole communities being blessed. It's not always easy to love in an unloving world. But that is the challenge and the adventure we are called to <laughs> but like the sower in the parable of sower, he, he just kept sowing seeds, man. We must keep sowing love. You never know where it's going to find good soil and produce and multiply. Just keep doing it. Remain faithful in your love. That is all that God requires. Think about your week ahead now. Think of your place of work, your school, your friends, your family, your community. Think of the needs you are aware of right now. How, how can you commit specific acts of love this week? Be intentional about it. 
Some things are going to be opportunities that are going to jump up at you unexpectedly and you need to respond. But some things, you can do it intention. You can plan ahead and say, I want to bless that person. I want to do that act of love. Think about it. And as you close, and as you think about these things, let us close again by reading the definition of love that never fails again. And this time, from the Passion Translation. Here we go. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 8a. Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently, not occasionally, consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. It refuses because then temptation will come for you to be jealous and to think, what have they done to deserve this? No, love refuses, rejects that thing, refuses to be jealous when blessings come to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievement. Look what I did, you know, or nor inflate its own importance. You don't promote yourself if there is love. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect. There are some people and some cultures, all they do is shame one another. They live by shame. We do not live by shame. We live by love. Nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. Love is a safe place of shelter. For it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat. For it never gives up. <laughs> Love never stops loving. In other words, it never fails. How many of you want to be loved with this kind of love? I certainly do. How many of us are prepared to love with this kind of of love. I, I, I do. And because I do, I need God's help. And what about you? But you see, a decision is the first thing that God needs. Once you decide to do it, he will come alongside you. The Holy Spirit is your helper. So, Father God, I pray today, Lord, that you'll speak to our hearts and our minds. Help us to embrace this kind of love, Lord. Help us to be instruments of the ripple effect of love in our society, in our communities, wherever we are in this world, my God. Help us to please you by learning to love like you love us. And now, may the love of God the Father, <laughs> that agape love, the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit who is with us all the time, enable us to continue this practice, to continue doing these things that cause ripple effects in our lives. May you be with us in a very special way, Lord, empowering us, reminding us, guiding us, helping us to be faithful, to stick to your word, stick to prayer, stick to love, and be your instruments in this world until we see you face to face. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. See you next Sunday. And this week, go in love. Amen.